what we're seeing in the more recent results is um, probably slow improvements in perception. So they were strong, but if anything, that they're getting stronger again. And what we're seeing is things like uh, uptake in e-scripts, for example, we're seeing an increase in the proportion of pharmacists, of consumers, sorry, who um, report going to pharmacies for services. And we're also seeing from some new questions that we just added into the 2022 survey, some information about the extent to which consumers use pharmacies for advice. And what we found was actually a really high proportion of consumers saying that in the last 12 months they'd actually visited a pharmacy specifically seeking advice. Hi, I'm David Bruce, a partner at Arima Research, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast, brought to you by the Pharmacy Guild of Australia. Focusing on pharmacy management and ownership, the PBCN podcast supports the improvement and growth of your business performance with insights and advice from a range of industry professionals. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. The Framework for Change is a key strategic document for the Guild, but more importantly, it's a guide for pharmacies. In 2018, the Guild embarked on its most significant strategic research project in its history. What was then called CP 2025 aimed to forge change and growth pathways for pharmacy businesses in manageable bite-sized increments. The framework has an explanation of nine growth pathways and an outline of practical actions to enable community pharmacies to achieve longer-term success by delivering health outcomes for patients and consumers. The objective is to help community pharmacies understand and be in a position to respond to the trends impacting their businesses in a way that makes the most out of the opportunities that lie ahead. The Guild is committed to working with our members and the broader pharmacy sector on this future journey while continuing to advocate on the issues that will enable community pharmacy to build on its vital role as a trusted custodian of the national medicines policy. The Guild has worked with Arima and David Bruce since the framework's inception to monitor the progress of pharmacies on this change journey and has recently completed another wave of both patient and Guild member research to check how we are going. And in today's episode, we welcome David Bruce, partner at Arima Research. Ms. David. Hi, David, and thanks for joining us. For our listeners who may not be familiar with CP2025 or even the Framework for Change Research, can you maybe start off by taking us through what the current process looks like, just setting the scene for us a little bit? Thanks, Daniel, and always good to reflect on research projects with a bit of longevity and think about where they've come from and think about what that means for where they're going to. Um, the Guild's been doing research for, for many years, actually, with members and also with uh, with consumers or patients, depending on what language you, you like to use. And what we've been doing recently is to, to really work to try and collapse all of those different survey programs and research programs into a single coordinated program to give us more meaningful data, which is how often members get asked to, to do surveys. So we started off with work back in 2018 as part of the um, CP2025 program. And since then, we've uh, started to roll things together into a, a consistent member research program and a consumer research program. So David, when did the surveys run? Are they on some sort of, of cycle? And it'd be great also if you could tell us what they actually cover. The member survey is moving to a twice a year 
survey. So we'll be doing one wave in around March, April and one wave in September, October. And the idea of those timings is to try and keep them out of the busiest times of the year for pharmacies and pharmacists to, to have time to, um, to take part in the survey. Um, and what we're really wanting to do over time as the, this new survey program gets underway, we're hoping that as response rates grow and we get more and more, more people participating in the surveys, we can actually get to the stage where we actually only ask each pharmacy to take part in the survey maybe once or even every two years so that we can keep their response rates and response rates high and burden on pharmacies down. So the pharmacy survey actually has a lot of content into it because it has brought data from across a whole lot of different other surveys. So we look at things like operational and strategic capabilities. We look at perceptions of change, both at the, the level of the pharmacy and at the level of the sector. Uh, quite a few questions around market conditions and pharmacy performance, so particularly looking at financial performance of pharmacies, but also things around the experience of actually working in the pharmacy sector. So for people who are working in the in the sector, how are they feeling about it? How about their, their experiences and how long they're expecting to stay working in the, the sector? And also the feedback for the Guild, which is one of the, the surveys that it runs on a regular basis. And Within the survey, we actually combine a lot of the individual components then into a matrix that maps out perceptions of change versus financial performance and operational health of pharmacies to try and get a, a higher perspective of the, of the overall sector. And then the consumer survey, we actually make sure that there's some, there's some common content across the, the two different surveys. So there's some questions that we ask of both pharmacies and of consumers to get a sense of how similar their views are. Um, the consumer survey is a, a combination of some common content that we've been asking regularly going right back to 2018 and also some flexible sections. So each wave we have a few questions and modules that run that are about common issues that are of interest at the time. So things like vaccinations and what does convenience actually mean to consumers. So David, since 2018, we've seen a lot of changes in the pharmacy sector, especially in light of not only the health response to the pandemic, but also the changes and interruption to business in general as the economy changes and adapts. Is it fair to say that this type of information is more important than ever, or has it always been this important? I think it probably is more important in this type of environment. And I guess the whole point of research is it's fundamentally it's about trying to accurately predict the future so that you can make informed choices so all the work we do is really about trying to understand what's happening why it happens and what's going to happen based on what we do next and that's really the essence of the entire industry so when things are predictable that is important information and i guess that's the basis of my entire industry um, when things are not predictable like they are at the moment think it's even more important to make sure that we're taking a clear-eyed view of the world. So it's easy to get caught up in what we wish was the case, like why we think, why we want things to be happening. But I guess the point of the research is to try and give some, you know, as I said, a clear-eyed view of what is actually happening in the world around us. And also it lets us see a bigger picture that we can't always see with our own eyes. And I think... You know, the, the role of research in this type of environment probably is magnified in terms of its importance. And I think it is really important to get that clear-eyed view because 
I don't know about everybody else listening, but it absolutely drives me mad when the media finds any type of semi-credible person to make a prediction about the future and and expects everybody to jump at the prediction or get scared or make business decisions on it. So I think data and research like this is extremely important. Let's look at the recent member survey. What are some of the interesting results you've seen? And I'm, I'm curious if you're somebody who gets really excited when it's time to start looking at the data in terms of what are we going to find? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess that goes with the, the territory of the <laughs> Plenty of us who are who are data nerds in uh, in my industry, and I have to admit that getting first look at some survey data is actually one of the most exciting parts of my job. Although most people probably don't think opening up an SPSS data file is uh, as exciting as I do. Look, the the most recent results we've got from the, the member survey are actually hot off the press. So they are from uh, a survey that was done of around 200 pharmacies back in October this year. Um, it's the second wave of the, the new survey. The first wave was back in December 2021, and then we've got other data, some of the, the similar questions that were asked back in 2018. Um, when we look at the, the 2022 to 2021 data, both about 200 pharmacies that, that contributed to it, there are some nuances and some differences between the, the two, but there's a lot of consistency. And if anything, the, probably the, the bigger differences actually go back from now looking back to the, the 2018 data, I think if we look at the, the results now, there's a few things that jump out at me. One of them is um, we ask pharmacies to rate their perceptions of their own operational capabilities and their strategic capabilities. And we see that the operational capabilities are rated generally higher than the strategic capabilities. And in particular, I think uh, an important area that pharmacies don't see as a strength is around marketing, innovation and competition, um, which are things that um, you know are pretty important considerations for most small businesses or most businesses, full stop. Um, more broadly, we've seen a lot of change in the sector, both at the sector level and at the pharmacy level, and people talk about there being a, a lot of change, but also not so much about the sense that the balance of change is right. So there's some people who feel that there's not enough change, some people who feel there's too much change, but a lot, not, not that many who really fit right in the middle. There's a lot of people who feel that the, the, the pace and the balance of that change isn't quite optimal, um, which has been an interesting thing to observe. Interestingly, in the, the most recent survey, the, the October 22 survey, a little bit of a sense that perhaps the pace of change is coming off a little bit, but um, that's just a, a, a hint at this point in time. What we are saying is that most of the pharmacies who are responding to the survey are reporting pretty strong performance and they're fairly optimistic about the future. But within all of the questions, and this is one of the things about surveys, you often get caught up in what the most people say, but there's a minority of respondents um, to most questions who actually report quite negative feeling. So there's a, there's a minority of respondents who are saying that their performance is not strong and they're actually not very optimistic about the, the future. And I think it's important when we're looking at surveys to always look beyond the headline fear and look at what's the reciprocal of, of that main result, because there's an important segment of people who sit in, the, in those smaller responses. Some interesting things though about that whole transformation pathways and the, the framework for change that we see in the results. One of them is that the pharmacies that report doing more of the 
pathways that are a part of the, the framework, the more pathways they report, generally the better their performance is, which is a, obviously a reasonably positive result. But interestingly, what we see is the, where the need for change lies. The, the pharmacies that see the biggest need for change coming into the future, uh, typically, and no real surprises, are the ones that report the lowest performance at the moment. But if you look at the pharmacies that both feel a big need for change coming, but haven't done very much change so far, they're actually the ones who feel the least amount of optimism and the least amount of satisfaction um, with working in the, the sector. So it's an interesting combination of how much change pharmacies have done and how much change pharmacies think they need to do moving into the, into the future and how that relates to feelings of optimism for the sector and also um, overall performance. And then when we look at the um, just the 2021 to 2022 results, not huge differences as I mentioned before, but a couple of things that are that are interesting. One is a greater reporting of challenges around supply chains in 2022 to 2021. Probably not surprising in this sector compared to any other sector. Um, also, probably not really a surprise, but greater use of that or reporting delivery of vaccination services and use of vaccination services but a decrease in things like click and collect and home delivery, again, perhaps reflecting just the, the changing in the, the COVID environment that we find ourselves in in 22 compared to 21. You mentioned earlier that the survey maps pharmacies onto a matrix of financial performance and pace of change. I just wanted to circle back around to that. What does that process show and how is it useful for people? Why would a pharmacy want to be mapped against a matrix like that? That's actually something new that we added into the survey when we developed it over the last year or two. And what we wanted to do was to create a framework that sat underneath all of the individual questions to try and wrap them up into something a bit bigger and more meaningful. And one of the thoughts that we had was a sector can go on a transformation journey over an extended period of time, but an individual pharmacy, an individual business can't go on a transformation journey for an extended period of time. It just can't sustain it. It can go through a period of transformation and change, but then it has to settle back into something that's more sustainable. And what we wanted to do was to try and understand where the sector as a whole looked on that transformation journey, but then also to, to try and work out whether individual pharmacies and pharmacies that are at different places in that journey can be um, can find some tools and some resources and some strategies that are more suited to where they are. And again, it comes back to that clear-eyed view of you know, where you are and what's going to happen in the future. Understanding where you are now is really important to that. So what we do within the survey, there's questions that relate to operational health around performance and financial performance, and there's questions that relate to perceptions of change. And we use those to create two indices there. Unsurprisingly, one's called a pace of change index and the other one's called pharmacy operational health index. And it creates a three by three matrix of high, middle and low performance on each of those indices. But our hypothesis was that it's the middle part of those dimensions that are, that's most sustainable. So from a, a pace of change perspective, you can be changing too slowly, you can be changing too fast. And in the middle is that sustainable zone. And from an operational health perspective, obviously you can have poor financial performance, and that's a bad thing. We hypothesise that potentially at the top end of that is also a, a perhaps an unsustainable level of performance that just burns people out and isn't really the sustainable 
level of, of, of performance and you know, while you frame it as operational health, it feels like it should, the more is better. There's a, is there potentially a level of it that's too high? And so when you put it in that matrix, you're trying to finish up with a sweet spot in the middle, the Goldilocks zone, if you like, of being um, performing at a sustainable and strong level, but also the pace of change is something that you can keep up for an extended period of time. And so when we create those indices and we map out the respondents onto it, what we see is that only about a quarter to a third of them actually fall into that Goldilocks zone in the middle of the, the matrix and the rest are kind of distributed around the edges in, in various different ways. And what we can see is, and what you would expect, the, the pharmacies that have got the lowest operational health and performance tend to have a lower level of um, change or rather the, the ones that have a low level of change perhaps don't have a very strong operational health but also at the top end we can see some of those and you know, nearly half of the, the the pharmacies that report really strong performance also fall into that stressed pace of change which is kind of what we hypothesized we would see um, so it was kind of useful to, to see that but what we're wanting to do um, with this matrix is in time what we should see is more and more of the respondents and the pharmacies settling into the the middle sustainable portion of the um, of the matrix and hopefully that sort of shows when the whole sector has gone through its transformation um, and is moving into a, you know, its next phase but for individual pharmacies um, the idea is if you can actually look at that matrix and place yourself onto the matrix hopefully it gives them an idea of some of the tactical and strategic things they need to do um, to, to move themselves into a sustainable performance space. And um, one of the things we've talked to the Guild about is um, in time, maybe even building a tool that pharmacies can go in, place themselves into the matrix and then access tools and resources and strategies that are suited to the part of the matrix that they find themselves in at any given time um, to try and help them to you know, go on their own individual transformation journey and as a sector finish up in the, um, in the sweet spot as much as possible. I love the idea of that matrix because I think sometimes businesses, pharmacies, of course, can fall into the trap of always trying to improve and always trying to change. And it does and can put businesses under a lot of stress, particularly the staff, when they can't just always be focusing on some of their their, their core responsibilities. And as you said, you can't always be transforming. Now, David... I know that through the survey process, you also asked patients or consumers about their opinion, but I just wanted to sort of tie a bow around or, or put a line underneath focusing on pharmacy. So I just wanted to circle back a little bit and just ask you about if you can see any differences in the results members are providing now compared to 2018 when you did the CP 2025 survey. There's probably two important differences that we see at the moment. Um, a lot of the content in the current survey doesn't have direct analogies back to the, the 2018 survey, so we can't look at every question and go that far back. But the two that particularly spring to mind, one is the operational capabilities question, where we ask um, pharmacies to actually rate their capabilities on the old-fashioned high school performance rating card. So an A is excellent, B is good, C is fair, D is poor, and F is a fail. It's a nice, simple, simple system. And what we can see is that the, um, the self-ratings of operational capabilities 
are higher now than they were in 2018, which is obviously a, a, a nice result to, to see. We added in then the, the strategic capabilities question for 2021 surveys. So we've just started to, to collect that and we've seen it consistently lower than the ratings for the, the operational capabilities. But the operational capabilities pharmacies seem to be perceiving to be higher now than they were a few years ago. Um, but the other one, which is probably most um, significant within the, the results is just the perceptions and reflections on the, uh, the operational health, the financial health of the, the sector and the pharmacies. So we're seeing pharmacies giving much stronger um, ratings to their financial performance in the 2021 and 22 surveys than back in the 2018 survey. And in particular, the question about optimism and how people feel about the, the future of the, the sector um, we've seen a dramatic flip around from a majority of people saying they felt pessimistic in 2018 to a strong majority saying they feel optimistic in 2021 and 22. David, as I mentioned before, as part of the survey process, you also ask patients or consumers their opinion. What are they saying about pharmacies? Yeah, look, consumers have always had a really positive perception of pharmacies. Um, which is kind of a double-edged sword in, in some respects. Obviously, it's a good thing as a sector. Consumers have said, you know, they strongly trust um, pharmacies and they have a you know, real sense that they can pretty much walk into any pharmacy and get a really high quality of service. One of the things that we noted back in 2018 when we were looking at the survey results back then, while that's a really positive um, perception for consumers to, to hold of the sector. What it did do, though, is it meant that to some extent, pharmacies became a little bit commoditized in the eyes of, of consumers. They knew they could walk into any pharmacy and get a high quality of service. And so they started to, or it gave them freedom, if you like, to, to look more at things like convenience and cost and so on when choosing which particular pharmacy to, um, to, to go to. What we're seeing in the more recent results is um, probably slow improvements in perception. So they were strong, but if anything, that they're getting stronger again. And what we're seeing is things like uh, uptake in e-scripts, for example, we're seeing an increase in the proportion of pharmacists, of consumers, sorry, who um, report going to pharmacies for services. And we're also seeing from some new questions that we just added into the 2022 survey, some information about the extent to which consumers use pharmacies for advice. And what we found was actually a really high proportion of consumers saying that in the last 12 months they'd actually visited a pharmacy specifically seeking advice. And uh, that was a, a new set of questions that we'll be starting to, to track. And we also included those in the, the pharmacy member uh, survey, which also showed you know, a really high level of, of people using pharmacies for, for services. So overall, um, you know, the consumer perceptions of the sector have been really strong and if anything they look like they're continuing to to strengthen and evolve slightly well on that point they've been strong maybe they're evolving or changing but we know that the industry has changed significantly obviously with the response to covid and now the economy shifting a little bit is there any evidence to suggest that consumer perceptions of of pharmacies are changing significantly? I know you just said there that they're changing a little bit, but are they minor changes or are they pretty set and maintained or do we think there's going to be a big shift? I'd describe them as incremental, which is what you'd expect to see really when you think about 
community pharmacy. It's a very mature sector that most people are very familiar with. So you wouldn't really expect to see their recent experiences create dramatic changes, although you know, COVID obviously was a discontinuity that, that threw everybody for, for a while, and we certainly saw that in the, the consumer results. At one level, I'd be surprised and almost concerned if I was seeing big changes in the consumer perception of community pharmacy. It's kind of reassuring that what we're seeing is that incremental growth, and particularly we're seeing it in places where you'd expect to see it. So, um, you know, the use of pharmacy for services, which was one of the uh, recommendations and, and emphases out of the uh, framework for change process. We're seeing adoption of e-scripts as something that people are seeing, they're wanting, they're seeing value in it. So those changes, I think that we're seeing at the consumer level, bearing in mind, you know, we're starting from a very high base as well. So it's not like there's a, a huge amount of space for for that change. It's a lot about maintaining that real strength and then looking to, to build on it in certain places. So I think incremental change is what I'd be expecting to see and am seeing in the consumer data. Are there any places where pharmacies' understanding of consumers might not be on the mark? Because we can fall into a trap of thinking that we know our consumers, but sometimes we only really interact deeply with a, a small number of them. As I said, are there any places where pharmacies have an understanding of consumers where it might not be really on the mark? There's two that really spring to mind, and one we've seen um, consistently going right back to the 2018 research, and I think it's a really important one, and it relates to the extent to which consumers and patients are driven by the relationship that they have with pharmacies. So when we do research with pharmacists and pharmacy staff, they one of the real big drivers for them is the relationship they have with their patients and their, and their customers and knowing their patients and their customers and their history and, and their needs. And when you ask pharmacies what's really important to consumers and to patients, that comes up very strongly as one of the drivers. But when you actually ask consumers, it comes through as one of their lowest considerations in terms of you know why they would choose a, a particular pharmacy. And it's not because pharmacists are missing something important about patients. It's it's a bias that relates to what they actually experience on a day-to-day -day basis. Because they're absolutely our consumers for who that really is important. And they're probably the ones who you would use the label patients for as opposed to consumers. And so for some people and for probably lots of people some of the time, that relationship with the, the pharmacist then being known, knowing their history, knowing what they need is really important. But for the majority of consumers, the majority of the time, it's actually not the main driver of their choice for, for going to a particular pharmacy. But what happens is pharmacists spend most of their time with that relatively small proportion of consumers. And so it feels like the dominant influence, the, the dominant segment of people who are walking through the door. But in fact, while they're spending their time with that relatively small number of patients, there's a whole lot of consumers who are coming in and they're being driven much more by things like convenience driven by cost and, and various other different things. So that's one that it's a little bit of a disconnect that we've seen consistently through the, um, through the research in terms of what matters to consumers and what pharmacists think 
matters to consumers. And I think it's an important one. The other one that I think is worth reflecting on a little bit is um, around convenience. And one of the things that comes out when you're thinking about convenience is time. And there's lots of different facets of time that relate to convenience. But interestingly, the ones that pharmacists think is most important to consumers actually isn't the one that consumers tell us is most important to them. So when you are pharmacists, what is most important to consumers around convenience, they tend to pick up on things like how long it takes to get there, how close you can park, those types of time-related factors. But when you actually ask consumers, those things are kind of important to them, but they're not actually as important as the speed of service and the opening hours that a pharmacy has. So time, yes, is important, but there's different facets of time that's important to consumers compared to what pharmacists tell us they think is important. And if you think about it, those are actually pretty good ones to be um, important to consumers because they're the ones that are actually controllable by pharmacies. Pharmacies can actually do something about the speed of service. They can do something about opening hours. They can't do anything about, generally, about the parking or about how long it takes a, a consumer to get to their pharmacy. Those things are out of their hands, but the things that are important to, to consumers are actually controllable to pharmacies. I find it an absolutely fascinating couple of points that you made there because as a marketer myself, I spend a lot of time talking to people about their target audiences because possibly pharmacies need to be more conscious or discerning of the patients versus customers or consumers and, and the difference that those have with the people who want and need and have a relationship with their pharmacist and even sometimes how that might be fluid. So for me, I get a Webster pack once a month. I go in, it's a pretty important thing in my life. If I don't take these bills, there's going to be some pretty serious consequences. I consider myself a patient when I go to the, the pharmacy to get my Webster pack and I kind of feel like I need a different level of service. The next day I go in, I just need Band-Aids. And so that's a transaction. It's just a commodity. I just need Band-Aids. It's, it's just convenient to go there and get it or it might be something else, some hay fever tablets or something like that. But when I'm going in there for a different purpose, I kind of feel like I'm a patient. So, you know, that might be something for pharmacists to consider as they go forward. Now, David, as we start to wrap this up, what can people take out of the survey program as a whole? What are some of those big key takeaways that you want people to keep in mind? The thing which always strikes me when I do these sorts of pieces of, of work, the more you start to dive into it and all of the different nuances, you realise it's a very complicated landscape. There's no one-size-fits-all solution. Every pharmacy is located in a particular location. It has particular skills and capabilities of its staff. Its patients and consumers have a particular set of characteristics. And absolutely every pharmacy should be cognizant of those differences and nuances of things that make it unique and what it wants to actually be. But what the research shows us is there are some macro patterns and permutations that we can see in the use in the survey data that it should be useful for, for pharmacies. And it might be that they look at it and go, yep, that's really interesting. I don't need to do that because it doesn't apply in this circumstance for this particular reason. But being aware of those, considering them either consciously choosing to adopt them or to not adopt them is, is really important. And as I said, when we were talking earlier, research is all about giving 
people a clear-eyed view of what's actually going on, not what they wish was going on, not what they think is going on, like what are the actual patterns. And I think in all of this data, there should be information that helps pharmacies at their own technical level to think about how do they interact, what do they offer to their consumers, to their patients, how do they deliver those services in a way that's going to contribute to their own individual health. And then there's the that strategic overview that you have of the entire sector and the patterns that are going on and the transformation journey that the sector's on uh, that should provide you know, insight at the level of the, the guild and at the, the level of the, the industry and the, and the sector. So I guess what I would like to think is that people, when they look at this, it's a repository of information that they don't have in any other way. And yes, there's always nuances and details and things that you can look at and say, oh, you know, could we, could this be better? Could it give us more detail? What is the relationship there? But what the research does is it gives us the best possible view of all of these topics to, to help inform our decision making. And I think that's the the key to, to this type of research. There's things at the high level, there's things at the low level. I'd like to think that, you know, having access to good quality data and information helps to make better decisions. That's really what the, the whole exercise is about. And I think, you know, when we look across it, we see generally positive trends. We're seeing pharmacies talking about, you know, stronger performance than a few years ago. We're seeing positive relationships between the pathways that are associated with the transformation for change and 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 health and performance and optimism. So, um, yeah, those are, are positive sorts of things. And yeah, it reminds me of a, a quote by one of my favourite authors. And in fact, his book literally arrived at my house just an hour or two ago. Um, I'm looking at it as I as I speak to you now. Um, but a guy called Neil Stevenson, and he writes very long books and he writes in extremely long metaphors. But to paraphrase paraphrase the metaphor. It's basically if you keep moving in life, you have a certain level of immunity to what's going on around you. You've got some control. If you stand still, you're just at the whim of whatever happens to you. Um, and if we've seen anything over the last few years, standing around and being at the whim of whatever happens to you is not a, a great strategy at the moment. And um, you know, when I look at this data, it gives, I hope, everybody an opportunity to um, you know, to be thinking about what are, are those movements, how are they going to be most effective, what can they do that's going to put them in a, a better position both as an individual business and as, also as a, as a sector. Following on from that, what are the next steps for the research program? What can people expect to see in the future as you continue to roll this out? Yes, yeah, so the 2022 October member survey results will be released shortly. So there would the the Guild at the moment, so um, those results will be re-available shortly. Uh, the July 22 consumer research that we did, which was the most recent round of the consumer research, was released a little while ago, and we actually increased the sample size for the consumer survey this year. So we've, for the first time, actually got state-by-state -state breakdowns of, of the results, so there's some state-level summaries of those. Um, and the next step, I guess, and the, the key step will be the, the next member survey. So we'll be moving to the, the March, April and September, October cadence of that survey in, in 2023. And um, what we're hoping to do is that, um, as I said at the start, as we build into this survey program and we get larger response rates, that we'll be able to get to a point where each pharmacy is only asked maybe once a year or once every two years to actually take part in that survey. And it is 
kind of a long survey when it arrives. We have collapsed quite a few different surveys into one so that pharmacies aren't being asked to do surveys all the time. Um, and I guess what we'd like to do is when you see that invitation to the survey, make a cuppa, find some quiet space and some quiet time to, to sit down and, and actually do that survey and contribute to the data that we have available as a, at the sector level and at the individual level. Um, and I think hopefully what we'd like to imagine as well, the point of the survey is to create that data that's really useful as business intelligence at the level of the sector and as the individual business. Hopefully even just the questions that we're asking um, prompt some useful reflection and, and thoughts about you know, how is my pharmacy going? How is my business going? Um, and what can I learn from just even taking the time to reflect on my answers to these questions? Fantastic chat. Very interesting work and results, providing some great insights and, of course, very, very important work for the sector. David Bruce, partner at Arima Research. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your insights into CP2025 and the framework for change. Thanks very much, Daniel. It's a pleasure to be here. Again, David, thanks so much for being with us today and thanks for taking us through the recent findings from your research. For more information on the Framework for Change, simply visit the Guild website. The Framework, it's publicly available, but Guild members can download the reports and research via the Guild website. Simply visit guild.org.au forward slash resources forward slash business hyphen operations forward slash insights. I've been your host, Daniel Oyston, and you've been listening to episode 110 of the PBCN podcast. The PBCN Podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. For more resources, to access support or advice, or to view this episode's show notes, visit guild.org.au.